Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you today from a campground in High Point, North Carolina. Just a few miles east of the Natchez Trace, where we left you last time. Just a few miles. Just a few miles. Well, a few hundred miles. A few hundred miles. And why are we in High Point, North Carolina? <laughs> we're here to do extensive research on buying furniture for our stick-built house. Because unlike our beautiful uh-huh. RV that has been permanently decorated by someone with yeah. a lot more sense than I have... Uh-huh. Ah. It's time to do a little refurbishing in our house. So we have to make our house look as good as our RV. So, dear listeners, if you still have a home and you are interested (laughs) in buying some new furniture, I strongly recommend this area of North Carolina. There are oodles of stores with all kinds of selection. Very helpful store personnel, good prices. Okay, but before we start on that, we will give you lots more detail. Oh, let's talk about the contact information. We've been very remiss in, in putting that at the top of every and story. we so. found out that uh, people are actually trying to contact us and can't find us. don't know it. what to do. Martha got an email from, in, my blog. in her blog from somebody who said they couldn't find the contact information on the RV Navigator website. So have you Even made that I tried, better? I have. I fixed that Good. because there's no reason why you should not be able to just click and send us an email. And now the email button is there. I assume that everybody went to the podcast pages because they wanted to follow the links to the podcast, which I dutifully put up every month. Well, but some people do. Some people just go to the opening page and expect to be able to contact us. And for that person, you now have that capability. And if you would like to send us an email, though, it's navigator at rvnavigator.com. And, of course, we also suggest you follow us on DIG because I find lots of stories, many of which you're going to see, you're going to hear about today, but I find lots of stories that are of interest to RVers. And so I post those on DIG with DIGs. And we also want to... you can follow me there. We also want to remind you that we are interested in getting pictures of your rigs. We put them up on the website, and we haven't said that for a while. And have you been getting any photos? I've got a couple. So we'd like some more. There are quite a few up there. Um, You know, as far as the podcast goes, we're always amazed at, uh, (laughs) at the popularity of the podcast, and we always are interested to hear from you and to hear why you listen and what we can do better to make your experience more enjoyable. But I note that in the last week that episode one has been downloaded 172 times wow. now i would like to talk to those 172 people and say why are you downloading the rv navigator podcast and why do you like it but of course they won't be to episode 67 the, this one that we're till making five right years now, from now till five years from now so if you get this <laughs> In the next five years, please send us an email. But if you're a new listener, please send us an email. We'd like to hear from you. We also find that uh, episode five is very popular with 180 downloads in the last week. That's hard to believe. And And episode episode three three has been downloaded 509 times. Even more. Um, We are just constantly amazed at this number. I mean, episode three is from six years ago. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to us, I guess. And I guess that means that the content is still current and up-to-date and people are listening. But why Episode 3? Of course, 
we haven't gone back and listened to episode three, so we really have we, no idea. We have no idea, idea what we're saying. <laughs> we <have> this little... <laughs> That's what comes with old age. <laughs> Senility has started in. Oh, dear. Yeah, so that's episode three. But we do appreciate you listening, and we always uh, enjoy hearing from you, uh, good and bad. So, and we did hear from someone yes, named Stephen who has started his own podcast. Well, he started actually more than a podcast. He started a whole website, forums, and the whole... For pop-up campers. For pop-up campers. He calls that, it the Pupcats. That's the Pupcast. Kind of, kind of Pop-up portal. Pup. Up. So if you'd like to, uh, if you have a pop-up and you would like to make contact with other pop-uppers. And talk about in- <laughs> items of common things. <laughs> oh, this talk could go on over a while. items of common interest, yes. I was trying to say. Uh, you could be a pop-upper. <laughs> <laughs> Martha originally thought that this was some sort of profane joke um, when I first told her what no, we... No, I thought it was the kind of pop-ups you get on ads on the webs. internet. Oh, well, that's That's what profane. I was thinking. Anyway, Steve has done a nice job, and I've listened to the first podcast, and and if you are a pop-upper, you might like to go to his website, uh, and I will put the link on the show notes. Would you like to camp and get rich? Oh, would I? I've well, been wanting to go to this place for a long time. Yes, indeed. It was but, so But this close. moves it up on my list. Indeed. Uh, we're talking about the Crater of Diamonds State Park in Murfreesboro, Arkansas, which is one of the only places we've ever heard of where you can muck around in the dirt looking <laughs> for muck diamonds. Around. And if you happen to find one, you get to keep it. It's the only place like it in the world. So just this week, somebody found... And of course you say, a, I'm never going to find a diamond. Just this week, somebody found this a 3.86-carat jewel. The largest diamond that they've had in about a year, but it sounds like people find diamonds. And just a couple of weeks ago, I read you another article about finding somebody finding a two point two point one one, and that was worth twenty twenty grand. Wow. You could just walk into the state park and walk out with twenty grand. You could buy a new pop up camper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve, we're sorry. <laughs> She's on to. <laughs> okay, so uh, some other topics we'd like to talk about. Um, we are installing a digital TV signal meter. Let me tell you, there's been a lot of swearing oh, and gnashing of teeth going on. Now, with uh, WineGuard has a nice new product that is... We've mentioned it before, yes, didn't we? Yes, we have, but we haven't had one. We went to Camping World and bought ourselves the digital signal meter. And this one is much more sophisticated than any other one that I've ever seen. Camping World, about $79. And... It has each channel, and it has the signal strength on it. Now, one of the things that I found uh, with my digital TV is is that when I put the wingman on it, which is that little accessory that I explained some time ago that goes on the outside of your WineGuard antenna, and it uh, gives you better signal quality, the problem is that uh, it's extremely directional now, and that one or two clicks can cause it to... Uh, and rotation clicks can cause it to lose the signal. So I found the need to have a signal strength meter because I can't use the snowy and then sharp picture that we used to use. So a signal strength meter is uh, very handy. Uh, I saw this one at the Tampa RV uh, Super Show but wasn't able to buy it, and uh, just recently I purchased it. And if you have a travel trailer... Uh, or if your antenna is if your antenna controlling system is mounted in the wall then you can just take this and replace the guts of the box on the wall and put this in and voila if you have a motorhome however and you have a video distribution system as we do and most motorhomes have 2 and 3 and 4 and 
video systems. You might have a VCR and a couple, three TVs, and so you have a switcher box. Uh, you can't just use this directly. So here's the key, is that this thing powers the antenna. The switcher box that you have uh, in your motorhome, also, when you s switch the antenna to antenna, it powers the antenna. That means that you would have two power sources for the antenna, which would not be good. So in order to use it with the switcher box, I found that you have to take the antenna connection out of the back of your box, plug it into the uh, new signal strength meter. You take the output of the signal strength meter and you put it into what I'm using as the AUX, AUX input on the switcher box. So there's a little bit of change there. So the when you want to watch TV antenna now, you switch to aux rather than TV antenna because the <clears throat> you can't have a powered box twice. If that's unclear, send me an email and I will be trying to help you. I'm going to put up a couple pictures, show you how I did this. And now let's see if Mrs. RV Navigator has been paying attention. Well, I just know there was a lot of swearing involved <laughs> during this particular installation. You do have to find a 12-volt power source for this uh, signal meter. And it is more or less permanently mounted and installed. At various times, various <laughs> other of our electric components stopped working. So we've been driving today with the shades, shades down. down. Big deal! <laughs> but it's all much better now. It's all working now. Well, we have kind of a sophisticated system. But uh, I'm hoping this will provide us with great uh, numbers about signal strength and alleviate the problems that I've had in the past because there's really almost no way to tell the signal strength. And so you, when you rotate the antenna, nothing, you can't tell. Where the, she's <laughs> yawning. <laughs> Too much technology. I'm sorry. So let's talk about using a truck GPS, one of the other topics. Well, you've heard me rant and rave many times about our Garmin GPS. Yes. Um, as the RV navigator, <laughs> um, I am a, unfortunately a navigationally impaired person, and so the <laughs> GPS now, does that, is, is a godsend. <laughs> is there some problem with that? But navigator? even when I use my GPS, the driver still does not trust me. I don't know why. Gee. So now he has his own GPS well, that course, he can see. Well, of course, no, we, this new one is... Uh, it is a trucker version. So it's it's a Red McNally trucker's uh, GPS so that the mapping and the navigation is specifically oriented towards trucks, which you would think would be a very good thing for your RV. So now, now, of course, so you have to have, have a navigator which understands this. And here we are going down the road, and she said, GPS number one says do this. GPS number two says to do the same thing, and the RV navigator with her paper map says something else, and what do we do? We went a few miles out. <laughs> but not that far. False GPSs agree, and the, oh, the human but intervention. But the map didn't look like that. Right. <laughs> so what we have now is the trucker um, GPS with its voice, my GPS with its voice, <laughs> and then my voice. So this is choir, <laughs> choir of advice now for the driver. 
So if we ever make it home again, it'll but, be a miracle. But the thing I wanted to point out, it sounds like a really good idea to get a trucker GPS for your RV because you're more like a truck than a than a car, and you don't want to make those mistakes as our, our, as our GPS does of taking us down some very small streets. In the car, it does. Well, and, and the Garmin I have set on bus, and even so, it often takes us through yes, a downtown a, where yours more right. likely will do the trucker route that you see the signs for trucks should right, go out here. Right, right. My GPS never says but that. But the thing that we've had some trouble with, uh, with the trucker GPS, is, is that it wouldn't let us go on the Natchez Trace. Because you can't it's, go on the Natchez Trace. It's not Trace. supposed to be for commercial vehicles. Commercial vehicles. So at every opportunity, it was telling us to get off the Natchez Trace. And it has done that a few other times, the places that we wanted to go. It didn't have the address because trucks don't go there. It would be nice if somebody would make something specifically for RVs and to our needs because we you know we often would want to go on the Natchez Trace or the Blue Sky Highway the Blue Skyline the Blue Ridge Parkway Blue Ridge Parkway yeah and we were doing a little research the other day about the Blue Ridge Parkway and it has a lot of tunnels uh-huh. and it would oh, be yes. nice if the RV um GPS. If you could set it, I'm in a motorhome and yes, I need to worry yes. about my height, or I'm in a pop-up camper and I can right. go anywhere that a car can and go. The yes, and the trucker GPS does have heights built into and it. Pays attention. And it pays attention so that it will warn you of that. It has all sorts of other nice warnings too. It tells you when you're coming up to a state line and exactly when you need to be stopping at the scales. <laughs> if you're speeding. It tells you if you're speeding. It has a average speed uphill and an average speed downhill and gives you all those good pieces of information. Anyway, buying a truck GPS may or may not be such a good idea. I like the 7-inch screen. That's a nice feature. The moral of the story is you need two GPSs. And, <laughs> one and for the, the driver and one for the navigator. <laughs> and the navigator needs to use her brain. <laughs> okay. One time I made a mistake. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Okay. We left the Natchez Trace. Yeah. And we drove toward Red Bay, Alabama because right. we wanted to investigate right. the Tiffin factory. We came very close to buying a Tiffin for ourselves. It's a very popular no, no, motorhome. Not just recently. It's but when a, we bought this one. When we bought ours, yes. yes. It's so a we beautiful like motorhome. Yes. Uh, we admire them when other people have yes, had them yes. in campgrounds. We've toured some. And we've always and, heard that it would be interesting to see how they are made. Because but Red Bay, Alabama is really... Nowhere. Nowhere. Except that it is close to the Natchez Trace. And there's no other reason to go there because there's nothing else nothing there. to do in Red Bay. It's a huge economic powerhouse and job opportunity for people <sighs> in Tiffin? northeastern Mississippi and northwestern, northwestern Alabama. Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. Uh, Tiffin employs about 1,500 people in total and is a very large factory and, and extremely extremely welcoming to RVers. No, well, gee, what a surprise. But they're uh, in terms of their factory tour and things, they have a 100-site campground, which, was believe full. it or not, was full, so we couldn't get in. Of course, we were the only Dutch star there. <laughs> yeah, we, but we, did, we went to a friendly campground. Nearby. Nearby. Uh, they offer the tour during the day, and the tour is extremely hands-on and friendly and up up close and I guess. unregulated unregulated we've been on a lot of factory yeah. tours of a lot of different stay places. behind the yellow line they did give us um safety glasses but yes. you could go anywhere you wanted and the people who were working there were very welcoming you could stop and talk to people and interruptible and you could easily get in their way and they would never yell at you they were very nice it was and it was amazing yes and they invited you to come if you wanted to take pictures to come back in the afternoon you could shoot pictures you can go there and watch your rig being built if you order one and another thing that was very impressive to me was the fact that the place was very busy. 
they seem to be making a lot of RVs, <laughs> which is good. And their new Breeze model is quite uh, small and uh, very popular. Apparently, they have a whole line dedicated to making just the Breezes. Uh, 32 and 28-foot uh, motorhome-ish, but, uh, you know, the quality is there. We were very impressed with, with Tiffin. Um, I very much enjoyed watching the robotic cutting <laughs> machines. Yes. Uh, they were working on both laminate-type materials and wood, and they'd take a huge sheet of, like, plywood and cut a million little pieces out of well, it, yeah, all perfectly shaped and configured. Yes, and they had uh, another machine that was cutting uh, hard-surface countertops with water, mm-hmm. 5,000 PSI water Made very smooth jets. edges. It was impressive. Yes, uh, and one of the things they said is they're able to do much more customization now that they have these machines because they can just kind of program it in and it can make uh, adjustments uh, on the, kind of on the fly. So you can have cabinets of different sizes or, or whatever. At least that was my understanding. But you want to go talk to your Tiffin dealer if you are interested. But stopping by to see the tour is... Uh, is well worth it. If um, you're in the neighborhood. And then at the end, you, you they let you just kind of walk through RVs that have been just recently put together. And the guys are in there, you know, doing last-minute cleanup and making adjustments to things. And you can go in and talk to them. And it was just uh, quite an amazing process. And they had a huge repair facility. I'm yeah. sure that's why many of the people yeah, oh, in the yeah, 100 yeah. rig campground were yeah, like there. like 43 bays or something. And it did affect the tenor of the place a little bit because when you would meet your fellow campers, <laughs> they were all slightly annoyed and aggravated because something was they broken. They didn't really want to be on the Tiffin tour. <laughs> and they didn't want to be in Red Bay, Alabama at all, understandably so. But I think that would be the case at any manufacturer's repair facility where people are getting work done. Yeah, but that's a lot of bays to have and I, and I know when you go to Numar that's not nearly as they have a little campground of about 10 campsites yeah. and <laughs> there were a lot of angry bays. people there just not us oh, well yeah but they weren't overtly angry they were annoyed okay as we continue to drive I keep seeing the money flying out the window <laughs> it certainly is expensive will we be able to travel into the future one thing with, we're thinking about is a trip to Alaska where yes. gas consumption will be at an all-time high. And with gas prices at an all-time high, yeah. there comes a point where you say to yourself, is it worth it? Can I afford this? Yes. And we'd like to hear from you. Are you curtailing your travels because of the gas prices? Um, I frankly think the gas prices will come down. And if it doesn't, then I think the RV industry is going to be in a bad way. We We have not really made much changes at the moment but well as this guy whose article you cut out said once you are somewhere you have to get home again (laughs) and this was that my problem this was a canadian who was in palm palm springs i think and and was wintering there and had to get home and he talked about the price of five dollars a gallon being a psychological barrier barrier, which i think is the case well and in california could well be we're just crossing the four dollar mark here and that certainly is a lot and last month i put up the uh, the picture of the arm and a leg and uh, the firstborn son and this month we have the regular prices arm and middle grade is leg and Super is both. <laughs> Which is close to the truth. Now we're measuring big purchases by how many tanks of gas they are. <laughs> As we're looking at furniture, yeah, we can make the That's comparison. That's a two-take sofa. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should talk a little bit about things that people can do to improve their fuel economy. Yeah, a little, yeah. And these I've been trying to, some of these. Of course, keeping it tuned up. <laughs> Going on the Natchez Trace and only driving 50 miles an hour. Excellent idea. Properly inflated tires, um, always a good idea. And I have my 
tire monitor system so that it automatically tells me that my tires are properly inflated. Unpack, unpack extra cargo. I would like mm. to unpack some extra cargo around my middle. <laughs> well, that's why we have the we fit with us. Uh-huh, which we've never used. <laughs> oh, okay. Avoid so, idling. I mean, how can you avoid idling? Turn it off. <laughs> when you're at a stoplight. I don't think it means at a stoplight, but there are people who start their engines and leave them running for that's five minutes. That's true in campgrounds. I have heard that. Drive and brake consistently. You know, no jackrabbit rabbit starts in your motorhome or your fifth wheel. Use overdrive. Well, that's obvious. Reduce the air conditioner use. I don't think that has much effect on it. Clean air filter. I swear that when we got our air filter changed last summer that it it changed the fuel economy. I think we got better gas mileage after it. It hadn't been changed in three years. A bad thing to do. To let it go so long. Use the proper oil. Yes. Plan Plan trips trips efficiently, efficiently. which we didn't do on this particular trip, having having to backtack somewhat, but sometimes you can't help it. And, you know, going slower. I've been only going 62 miles an hour at uh, at the fastest, so I think that's one of the best ways to conserve. Another way to afford yourself more gas is to live more frugally when it comes to Uh. other parts of your life. And uh, we found a website which seems to have no... Uh, financial or remuneration aspects to it, but it has a lot of good advice for people who are retired or thinking about being retired and how to stretch the money and make ends meet. People ask us, both in emails and in person, they ask us, how did you get to retire? And we know, how do you make ends meet on retirement? It's often hard to to talk about that uh, in in detail because we just don't have enough time to put it into an email. But this website called uh, Frugal Living Lifestyle. Frugalretirementliving.com. It gives you some good ideas. And one of them, just one of them, is the idea that you might want to live in an RV because it is a frugal way to live. But this couple who has lived full-time in an RV, as well as done several other things, like living in a foreign country that's cheap. Living in a boat. They have uh, several articles here. Living, living off, off the, the grid. grid. Living in a small space is, is very doable. And that's that's something that you have to do in an RV. Uh, best state to retire in, if it depends on what you need, what you mean by best. So they have numerous articles here that will help you plan your retirement. And this website is for people who are already retired and want to stay retired. Mm-hmm. People who are retiring now of their own choosing. And people who are considering retirement but think they may not be able to afford it. So this is a a website you might want to take a look at. And certainly one thing they advocate, which we do as well, is to do as much research about topics as Mm -hmm. possible. And by going through this website and reading all the bullet points that they've written articles about, you will really get a lot of good information. Yes, I definitely agree with that. So that's good. And, of course, you will find the link to that on our show notes website which is at rvnavigator.com, and then click on Podcasts, and then click on Episode 67. And there will be the notes. And there will be the notes uh, a few days after this has been posted, because I always take a little extra time to do that. All right. Sometimes um, when we walk around campgrounds in the evening getting a little exercise, uh, we see so many different kinds of RVs, and you wonder which ones are popular and which ones are not. So... Um, we found a table that lists RVs by category not, uh, and by manufacturer mm-hmm. and lets you know uh, market share which ones are the most For popular. the 10th consecutive year, Keynotes Montana finished 
2010 as the top selling fifth wheel. And we certainly see lots and lots of Montanas. And we used to see one in our own driveway. Yes, we did. We had a Montana and we're quite uh, pleased with it. But if we go down to other segments of the market, uh, the Class A diesel, we would like to say the number one is the Dutch Star. But, but it's not. It's not. It's Tiffin, the Phaeton which we just mentioned uh, we saw being built. Class A gas, uh, the Forest River Georgetown. Class B, these little tiny ones, and we certainly see lots of these mm -hmm. around, the Road Trek. Class C diesel is the Winnebago View, View and that's the new small, uh, what we would call a Class A, but they call it a Class C. And a Class C gas over the driver bed is the Coachman. Fifth wheel, the Keystone, is the Montana. Travel trailer is Jayco's J-Flight, and we've seen quite a few of those. Folding trailer, the Forest River Rockwood, and the park model, which we don't care too much about, the Breckenridge by Thor. Thor. So there are quite a few choices there, and, and, and in every category, if you're interested in buying something that's popular, which means probably is easy to fix and lots of other people that you can talk to about it, then you might want to consider one of those. Let's mention the Park Finder app. Yes. This is a, it's kind of a strange name, but if you're uh, an iPhone or a Android user, you might want to consider the O-Ranger Park Finder app, which, of course, you can get from iTunes or wherever you get your Android apps from. This sounds like it's a strange title, but the purpose of this is to match your activity interests with parks that offer those types of activities. So if you're interested in biking, as we might be, you would go to the site and type in biking, and it will show you the parks that offer biking or hiking, or skiing, and all sorts of other activities. They have over 20 types of activities listed, and you can just type it in and see close parks close by or wherever you want to go in the United States. I also am going to recommend another website. I've been reading lately the Woodalls website, and that's woodalls.com, of course, and they have a wealth of information. And if you're uh, doing research, if you want to know about a particular style of RVing, if you want to know destinations, uh, Woodalls has it, and of course they have their famous campground book also. Uh, one of the things that I found on there most recently that I was interested in, what drove me to their site this time, was their description of a new rails-to-trail bike route, um, which is in West Virginia. We almost went there, or we almost are going to go there. But the campground won't be open in but time. But the campground doesn't open until May, which is very surprising, because the weather around here has been very nice. But anyway, they had a very nice article about uh, two new West Virginia rails-to-trails bike routes that were 70 miles long, and they gave nice descriptions about them. And that's the kind of thing that the Woodall's website has that may be of interest to you also. So I'm going to put that into the links section of our website so that it will be permanently there because it provides uh, some very interesting information. So good for planning a trip as well as finding things to do once you are underway. And just answering, answering general questions about RVing. Another um, product that caught our eye <laughs> is um, a kitchen kit for RV newbies. And what this does in one box is it gives you one box. 139 pieces of stuff that you need for your kitchen. Uh, the dishes, the pots and pans, the um, implements, a towel set with pot holders, pot um can opener, corkscrew peeler, blah, 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 blah. Um, when I looked at this... A flashlight. 
Um, I sometimes have one pot scrubber. I sometimes look at things like this <laughs> with a wary eye because I wonder about the quality of the kitchen implements that are included in the kit. Yeah, like but this. if you're a novice just getting started, you but may it not certainly is an easy yes. way to start. And if nothing else, the list of all the contents of the kit would give you an idea of what you would need to start your own kitchen in your RV, whether Indeed. you decide to buy this particular kit or not. Yes. We, we've seen people try to, and I certainly will sympathize with people who try to park their fifth wheels. Backing up a fifth wheel is not easy. And we just talked to a friend of ours who actually paid somebody or asked a friend to pull their fifth wheel out of their out of their campsite. He found a, a fellow camper who was a commercial truck driver. <laughs> So pulling it knew, out, not parking so it, but pulling knew, it. Well, I think he helped him park it, yeah, too. Yeah, but he also did several thousand dollars worth of damage to the back of his RV one time. So he needed a little help. So it's he needed hard. a little help. But it's now hard. they make this gizmo to slide your fifth wheel in and out of tight situations. I'm not sure if anybody will really buy this for their RV, but this is a set of extra wheels that will move your fifth wheel sideways. sideways. Without you having to... I need this in the car so I don't have to parallel park. Well, that, well they probably make one of those, too. So this is an accessory that you buy. So was this made first for commercial trucks? It was made for semis, uh-huh. and they are now marketing it for RVs, I guess. Yeah. I've never seen it, but on their website they have a video, which is very impressive. You know, you're parked into some sort of situation, and the, the, the fifth wheel just kind of comes away from the wall, away from the, the parking space. And, and you aren't in it. No, it's got a no, it's got a wireless remote control. You can stand out there and move like, it around. Like a video game. <laughs> it's got a hydraulic thing that brings these wheels down, lifts your RV's wheels off the ground, your trailer, your fifth wheel's wheels off the ground, and then it rolls back and forth. So they're mounted ninety degrees to the RV's wheels. Cool. Sounds expensive. And it sounds like complex technology. Not as expensive as furniture. (laughs) So now we come to the reason why we are in High Point, North Carolina. We're doing research. (laughs) And, and... Well, long ago when I bought one... And what else are we doing in High Point, North Carolina? Playing golf. And getting out our checkbook. (laughs) (laughs) We're not just looking. We found some good stuff. Oh, no. When we were were still working one time, we bought a new couch. And Ken complained that I had to see every couch in the county, which was pretty close (laughs) to true before making up my mind. So we are redoing our whole living room and dining room at home because some of the pieces are too big. We used to live in a much bigger house. Ancient, And some of the furniture is almost as old as we are and is in nicked and dinged and looks pretty bad. I'm nicked and dinged. Well, you still earn your cape. (laughs) So we heard that this area of North Carolina used to be um, a place where you could buy furniture for good prices and have a great selection. Mm-hmm. And we can't imagine what the used to be. And they built be a lot of furniture here. Was like because what we're finding here now is overwhelming. You know, if you imagine the very largest mall you've ever been to, whatever town nearby who has a big mall, and if you go into that mall, all the stores in the mall are furniture stores. Well, not quite that. And sometimes they're organized by manufacturers, sometimes they're organized by style. She's exaggerating just a little. Oh, that, that mall yesterday. But we're talking about, we're talking about the one we're in hundreds today has of thousands of square feet. A million square feet. I know. But big malls have that much, too. Yeah. But still, like it's a malls. lot of f- square footage for furniture. 
And one thing I you had, just don't find that in other parts of the country. For and one thing that's nice because there's so many uh, furniture places here is that there's a lot of competition, which drives the prices down. So even though we're going to have to pay to get whatever we ultimately purchase shipped back to our home, um, it still appears to be cheaper than it would be if we bought it at home. I mean, it's shipped home. Un- and, incredible. And more importantly, I couldn't find nearly the selection at home that I could here. Incredible. So I would say if you're looking for one bookcase, don't bother. But if you're really redoing a, a room or rooms, um, this area is wonderful. And people that we talked to kind of poo-pooed the idea and said, well, you know, furniture manufacturing has gone offshore and they just don't have the selection here. And, and High Point is past its prime. And it may be. But our experience is, is that it's still better than any place we could find in the Chicagoland area. And you would think that shopping is pretty good in the Chicagoland area. And we could, now that we've seen many of the things, we could have seen them possibly in the, there are distributors or, or stores that would sell many of the things in the Chicagoland area, but you'd have to drive miles and miles and you wouldn't know. It would be just a little store. It would be hit and miss. Hit and miss. And much. certainly the depth of inventory. I have no imagination. I have no imagination. So when I look at a picture in a catalog, it doesn't do it for me. I want to see it on the floor. I want to be able to sit on the couch and make sure it's comfortable and really get a feel for how the pieces look with each other. So after driving past a lot of trees on the Natchez Trace, we got off and we went to Tiffin and then we went to Tupelo, Mississippi where they manufacture furniture. Surprise to us. We didn't, we didn't know, that. know. That's kind of where we got started on this, and we went to Tupelo. Well, after you get done with the Elvis stuff, you just say, well, okay. Is there, something else to, is there something else to do in Tupelo? There are furniture manufacturers. They actually manufacture furniture there. Right there. And so there are factory stores. Well, that got us started there, and then we went to High Point, North Carolina. That's where we are now. We went to... Asheville, and nearby was Black Mountain, which had a 70,000-square-foot furniture store. And then we went to... Um, Hickory, <laughs> which had two huge malls full of We thought, furniture. wow, nothing could beat this. And now we are in High Point, and wow. It's even bigger. It's even bigger. So, dear listeners, rest assured, we will be talking to you with empty pockets the next time we podcast. Send your contributions <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been a real eye-opening experience. Does this mean I can't have any more technology? Not for a while. Oh. Keep that motorhome running. Oh. And she'll probably fill it up with stuff on the way home. What stuff? Furniture? Your furniture I stuff. can't put furniture in here. Uh, I, I think we're know. bringing home a light fixture. A That's light fixture. All. Oh, is that all? I and see. And you pick that out. Don't blame that one on me. Okay, so that's kind of the interesting travel tip tips for the today. And I'm thinking the next time we podcast, we will have just gotten home. We should have talked about this with the other kitchen products. Yes. This is a contour coffee maker. We love coffee. We grind our own beans regularly. We have a this very nice Cousinart that is an automatic grinder and makes your coffee in the morning. And I'm very surprised how well it works. And we used to have a separate grinder, but yes. it's nice having an all-in-one. And this is so this Cousinart, if you go to the store and, f- and look for it, it's a very nice coffee maker. But in an RV, in the past, we've always wanted one that either mounted under counter or on the wall. In because our particular, you don't have RV, that much counter space. Yeah, in our RV here, we <laughs> I was going to buy one of those, 
but uh, made by Black and Decker, but I there was there no place to, to mount it. No place to mount it. So we have it now just sitting on the counter. But if you are interested in one that mounts on the wall or under cabinet, then this one from Contour Contour uh, looks like a very good choice. And I will of course put the link to it on the show notes webpage. And all the contents are designed to remain in place while you're underway, which is very important to an yes, RVer. Yes, indeed. So this is uh, not made with actually RVers in mind, but it does fit the needs of many And RVers. it has a stainless steel thermal carafe uh-huh. rather than the Pyrex or yes, the glass. But it, this one does not that, grind its own That might break if it's flying around yes. in the back of your uh-huh. fifth wheel. So uh, this is worth looking at. It even has a timer, so you can set it so that the coffee is if as you you're waking up. But it doesn't work on 12 volt. We would like to talk about the ultimate in RV gas savers. The bike RV? The, the bike RV. This can't be serious. It is serious. We've I'm, seen people riding bikes on very hilly mountainous roads around here. One guy had a laundry tub on the back of his bike. I thought that was bad. This was a bicycle. But this has a whole house on the back? An RV. This is a three-wheeler that has an RV that you pedal. I don't think that would be It looks like a pedicab. Do you think it's real? No. The picture picture is real. Honest to God. Well, people can make a picture of it. Well, you take a look at it on our website and tell us what you think. Nobody with as much gray hair as we have is going to be riding around on that. Oh, well, that may be. So, uh, I guess it's about time to end up the old podcast for another month. This is Ken, your RV navigator, saying we hope to see you in a campground near us very soon. And Martha, the co-pilot, saying thanks for listening. 